Hello folks, so uh, before we get into this week's show, uh, a little bit late with uh, recording this week, and apologies for any uh, lossy related noise in the background, uh, just a quick note to say that Noel Mellor has launched his um, uh, campaign for getting his book uh, uh, released, uh, it is uh, Adventures in VHS, I'm sure most of you know, and uh, details can be found on adventuresinvhs.com. Uh, it's basically a kind of a Kickstarter-like approach to actually doing the book, so uh, £10 gets you the e-book, £20 gets you uh, a hardcover book and the e-book, and uh, the rewards go up, and uh, for a donation of £100 he's actually offering two tickets to the, uh, the book launch party. Uh, which uh, should be a laugh, actually. But, uh, yeah, so there's all sorts of uh, rewards kind of going on there. And it's uh, the culmination of a, of a thing that um, Noel's been uh, dealing with since uh, before his boy was born. And his boy's over a year now. So, um, yeah, it's like two years, like probably longer, actually, in the making. So it's a big, big deal. And uh, I'm sure a lot of you who uh, listen to this show are probably very interested in reading a book about... Uh, someone's experience with VHS and growing up with VHS and how a a, a section of his life has been formed by VHS and also talking about the VHSs that he consumed as well. So, uh, yeah, Uh, adventuresinvhs.com is the uh, webpage. He's got a a video up there where he's uh, kind of explaining it all as well. And uh, you've got links to uh, donate too. Uh, Lottie doesn't want to donate, so we... uh, Sorry, Noel, uh, but we uh, better move on. Um, I'm kind of hoping to have Noel on the show maybe next week just to um, kind of talk about it a bit in his own words but uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes I know he's, he's a busy man but uh, yeah anyway so adventuresinvhs.com uh, support our good friend Noel Miller uh, he's our good friend and uh, on with the show you looking for me? Barbecue, huh? How do you like your ribs? You were laughing at the babe. Babe with power. Power of voodoo. You do. Remind me of the babe. Quiet! A goblin babe. <laughs> well. kind of thought we'd give you a longer show instead of two 
slightly half-hearted ones. I think that's, to, to be fair, that's probably about right, isn't it? Yeah. And it, this it, is it half, been, by the way. Hello, hello everybody. Uh, it would have been kind of one long show or two shows released really close together. Yeah, and each, neither one as long as a normal show. So Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so this, it made more sense doing it this way. Straight up. So, um, yeah, we are, uh, we are back and uh, we are going to be reviewing both uh, Liam Neeson's in, uh, detective thriller, A Walk uh, a walk Among the Tombstones. Yeah, A Walk Among the Tombstones. Yeah. And also David Cronenberg's latest, Maps to the Stars, which weirdly doesn't come out in the US until next year. So um, for once, uh, the UK kind of has a major auteur film well ahead of the US, so that's something. Uh, we're also going to have the uh, last part of uh, Ian and Mark's Up, Cox in Hell with... Um, uh, three films of the Exorcist franchise. We're going to be um, taking a look at William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist Free, uh, and also um, the weird which one is actually the prequel because this doesn't quite make sense. Uh, Rennie Harlan Exorcist The Beginning and Paul Schrader's uh, Dominion prequel to The Exorcist. Um, yeah. yeah. All over the place. Um, mm. Have we got anything more to... Uh, Say now, or should we just uh, kick on? Nah, I say, I say we, we we kick on and get get into it. Uh, cool, man. So, um, trailers. Yeah, a uh, couple. Um, a couple have come out. Um, the trailer for the Michael Mann, um, Chris Hemsworth starring Black Hat, uh, came out. Uh, always nice to have a, a, a Michael Mann film to, to look forward to. You know, the guy doesn't do very many. I mean, what was the what was the last Michael Mann film? Was it um, Public Enemies? Enemies? Yeah. Uh, which wow, God, what was that? Two thousand and eight was it? It feels like it was two thousand and eight. Um, so it's nice to have that to that to look forward to. Um, the trailer for a first trailer, it looks two thousand nine. Sorry, for the game, it was. Um, as a first trailer, it, it looks intriguing. Um, you've got a lot of different sort of sets and countries, but the key point is it, it does look like a Michael Mann film. Um, you know, the story didn't exactly grip me in the trailer, but it is a two-and-a-half-minute trailer for a film that I'm guessing will be close to two-and-a-half hours long, so... Yeah, quite. I mean, I, yeah, I, I... I don't know... I mean, I'm very much looking forward to it. it it's, it's like Gone Girl, where the marketing for that film has not thrilled me in the slightest... But I'm still anticipating it very much because it's a David Fincher film, and also the reviews now come out, and it like it's not uniform praise, but it almost is. Um, and yeah, I mean, a, a lot of shit's been given to this trailer, and um, like you know, because mainly because of Chris Hemsworth's looks and the whole how can a guy who looks like that be this character? Which uh, I don't know has some basis in truth, but then. I don't really care. Yeah, it's one of those uh, where it's like, it is a little bit, hang on a minute, but then you're you're essentially, you're appropriating a stereotype to a character straight away. There is a little bit, for sure. It's a little bit like, oh, what, because he was a computer hacker, what, he must be weedy looking. And I'll say, you know, um, and... I, I mean, I, I did really think where where Hemsworth does kind of say because there was there was a lot of people got snippy about the fact that he seems a little bit kick-ass in it, like he's like he's too prepared for stuff that's going on. 
And he does kind of say, you know, well, why don't people wait for the film to see if that gets explained? Yeah, quite. Um, yeah. So it, it's very much like that. You know, man is very, very particular, as we know. So... I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it just based on the fact that it's a Michael Mann film. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, that, yeah, the, the, the teaser doesn't do an awful lot for me, but, you know. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm in agreement on that there, yeah. Um, next one was uh, the first trailer for the upcoming, um, I would say, a, a favourite of um, the Dude and Monkey podcast, uh, the new Joe Carnahan film. Uh, stretch, oh, stretch, okay, yeah. Which is coming out on VOD, which looks more like it's akin to his Smoking Aces um, and A-Team um, sort of mentality that he has rather than his the sort of grey and uh, narc uh, ability that he has there. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it just because it looks like a lot of fun. I'm a and I think you you actually wrote a piece, I think, about smoking aces, defending it. Uh, no, I didn't, actually. No. No, no, sorry, mate, not me. Did we have a conversation about that or something? Maybe, but uh, I've, never like read it. I've only ever seen it once, so I, I yeah, don't know. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of smoking aces. I think it's an absolutely batshit, insane, uh, wonderful film that I'm actually quite glad most people don't like. Um, so I, I'm very much looking forward to, to Stretch um, coming out on VOD uh, in a few weeks, I think. Yeah, it's not long. Um, and you know, from the way Carnahan's kind of himself, very much kind of pimping it, it, it does seem like it's something that he's personally quite invested and personally quite proud of, and wants to kind of go. Do you know what? If Judo's going to fucking drop it, I'm going to fucking take the mantle and go. This is fucking. This is fun. I want people to enjoy it. Watch it. Yeah, I mean, he was pissed about uh, about that as well, and I mean, I, I yeah. suppose that's understandable. Um, I haven't seen the trailer yet, actually, but um, I, I mean to. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I'll, I'll watch anything Joe Carnahan puts out. Yeah, it looks fun. Um, next one is the the interview Red Band trailer. Um, it's a Seth Rogen um, and James Franco comedy where they're going to um, interview uh, King John Un and uh, try and assassinate him. You know what's going to happen, essentially, there uh, in it. There's going to be a lot of crass jokes and a lot of stupidity. But do you know what? It, it looks fun. Uh, yeah, I am very, very, very up for that. It looks really crude and juvenile, yeah. but why the hell not? Yes, please. Exactly, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely on board with that. Um, trailer for uh, The Babadook. Um, the upcoming Oracle has got a lot of really, really good reviews actually. Five out of uh, five in the um, in, in Empire this month from Kim Newman. That's well, yeah, well, that's a very, that's a very sort of ringing endorsement, that, I suppose, for a horror film. Yeah. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, look, this is genuinely a really fucking good horror film. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm very much, very much looking forward to, to that. Um, We'll definitely be going to see that. Um, and then the final one that I watched was the um, Jupiter Ascending uh, trailer, um, which, I'll be honest, did nothing for me at all other than make me go, ooh, yeah, not really sure about this now. Um, but then again, um, I, I probably said the same thing when Speed Racer came out, and I actually really enjoy Speed Racer. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll probably just go and see it just because, like, a big action blockbuster in February 
is you know yeah. I mean it, it, like, it, the fact it's coming out in February probably speaks volumes but why not uh, it, I, I'll give it a go the, the Wachowskis I think kind of they deserve to have anything of their scene on the big screen yeah they, 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 they certainly they have a vision let's just say that yeah, sometimes, it, sure. it, sometimes it never quite makes sense but, but uh, yeah no I'll give it a go unless it comes out and it's fucking three and a quarter hours long then I'll be going ah maybe not yeah sure <laughs> Um, yeah, but that's that, that's it. That could for, for trailers this this week. Uh, yeah, I've actually, as far as I can remember, I've got nothing extra. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Cool. So um, my printer just downloaded an update. Why does a printer need a firmware update? Um, but sorry, <laughs> uh, apologies if there was noise. Then, like seriously, what? Um, but. Uh, yeah, anyway, um, so let's move on, and we are gonna, yeah, okay, so we're gonna dip into Liam Neeson starring in A Walk Among the Tombstones now, um, here is a clip, and the only reason why I'm being a bit, uh, is because we actually recorded, yes, we recorded that, yes, okay, I have it right in my head now, so we're gonna go back in the past, and, uh, here's a clip from the trailer for A Walk Among the Tombstones. You're a private detective, is that right? I'm licensed. What's that mean? It means that sometimes I do favors for people, and sometimes in return, they give me gifts. Gifts? Uh-huh. But you used to be a cop, right? Yeah. So why'd you quit? I didn't like the hours, Mr. Christo. Uh, the corruption got you, huh? Not really. It would have been hard to support my family without it. Well, this was really my brother's idea, you know, bringing you out of here. You want? I can leave. Someone's kidnapped my wife. When did this happen? Yesterday. You should be talking to the FBI. I'm talking to you. Look, Mr. Christo. Kenny. Kenny, if you're asking me to run a bag, deliver money, that is not something I I already paid them. When? Last night. And your wife, where is she? She's dead. I paid them, but they killed her anyway. Okay, so, uh, A Walk Among the Tombstones is uh, written for the screen and directed by Scott Frank, based on the book by Lawrence Block. Uh, stars Liam Neeson, Dan Stevens, uh, David Harbour, um, uh, some kid called Astro, whose first name is actually Brian, and um, other people. Uh, Brian Astro. Brian Astro something, like Astro is his name, apparently, I think he was on like America's, yeah that's it, he was on America's Got Talent or American Idol or something like that, and this, this is his like, I want to be a proper actor kind of thing, it's like Jaden Smith doing um, Karate Kid. Well, no, maybe it's not, that's probably a bit mean actually, but yeah, anyway, Um, so yeah, story is, um, Liam Neeson is the uh, fantastically named Matt Scudder. A a former cop who um, leaves the force for reasons in his past that you learn through the course of the film and uh, becomes a private detective. Uh, He is hired by Dan Stevens' drug trafficker to uh, catch the men who kidnapped his wife. Uh, One of them is played by David Harbour, the other is played by 
a man who barely says anything, and I don't know what his name is, sorry. And um, I, I didn't get the IMDb page up. And, uh, yeah, that's it kind of goes on from there, really. Um, Scudder also befriends uh, a, a street kid um, played by Astro uh, as well. Um, so, Mark, A Walk Among the Tombstones, it's been sold as Liam Neeson doing a kind of a more mature version of the kind of action type stuff he's been doing of late. Uh, did you did you see that connection or do you think it's its own beast? Um, I would on that thing. I, I, was, I was looking forward to um, a lot of the team stones, uh, mainly because of, of that uh, that kind of billing of, of how they were they were pitching it as saying, you know, this isn't just um, another one of those Liam Neeson films, which I think is a little bit um, counterintuitive in a way because those Liam Neeson films are actually really quite entertaining films, the majority of them. So they, they kind of they were sidestepping a whole audience that has made those Liam Neeson films quite quite popular and quite um, successful. Also, um, Scott Frank, I think he directed uh, the film The oh, Lookout. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, which I, I thought was a great film um, and a, a really quite smart. Um, intelligent kind of thriller, uh, mostly set around kind of one place. Uh, so I, I was going into this, you know, with you know, quite sort of you know, not not massively high expectations, but really quite looking forward to it. And I, I kind of about halfway through it thought, Do you know what? I, I kind of wish it was one of those more um, base and more pure entertainment level uh, Liam, uh, Liam Neeson films that we've come to expect in the past few years. Uh, because a Walk on the Tombstones is one of those films, or I felt it was a lot for a lot for me, where I can imagine it being quite a good book, but as a film, it just it meandered too much, and I kept thinking, right, so when when's the next bit happening? When's the next bit happening? And then going, oh, all oh, right, is that actually it? Oh, okay, right. Oh, well, that was a little bit a little bit disappointing. And when one of the most interesting things uh, about a, a film that I found when I came out of it was, I wonder who was in charge of the continuity of Dan Stevens' facial hair, because that guy needed sacking very early on in the film. Um, then it, it just, it kind of just happens, a walk among the tombstones. It never really gets to where you hope that it's going to get to. I mean, yeah, I... I kind of see what you mean there. I mean, I, I, it sounds like I liked it uh, liked it more than you, um, but I'm I'm not shouting from the rooftops about it. Um, I think it's got its moments. I will say first, I love the opening titles, like the the way that it's like a big widescreen image of Liam Neeson walking down these like steps and. You've got like the yeah. sky framed in the kind of the center, and you've got the credits, and it just says Liam Neeson in, and then yeah. it comes up a walk among the tombstones, like each like word kind of like on top of each other, kind of a thing. And I, I like I'm I, I'm a big, it, you know, if if you if your main title is quite imaginative, mm. I, I'm kind of already in at least for the, for like for the, the start. Um, so, which is, it's just one of my things. And, uh, so yeah, love the opening title. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it had a certain 
kind of dour, grey, like, just kind of dirty kind of feel to the look of it. You know, it's it's very, very wintry, and... Like yeah. it, it all feels very sparse, and it it doesn't feel like even though it's in the middle of a city, it doesn't feel like it's it's a particularly like packed city. It all it, it I don't know. It, it all feels like the isolation of Matt Scudder. It feels like is up there on screen, and I quite enjoyed that. Um, and I thought Neeson was was all right as well. I mean, I thought the cast were actually all pretty solid, to be honest. I mean, Astro is saddled, or Brian Astro Bradley is saddled with. A character who, I don't know, it, it's just kind of trope upon trope upon trope with him. And, yeah, um, I, yeah. That, that, that's the thing. That, that, that dynamic doesn't even go where, you know, where it, it, it cliche would go. It just kind of like, he's just kind of there more than anything else. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, exactly. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't big on that. Um, I mean, the thing is, my kind of bugbear with the film is that, I mean, I agree that it kind of, it, it slightly just kind of goes nowhere. And I think that's not helped by a third act, which really stretches itself out for no reason whatsoever. Um, yeah. From the time that they are kind of going to the meet until the end, it feels like that should be 15 minutes. And I'd be amazed if it wasn't a half hour at least. Yeah, when when you uh, and remember, guys, we are all sports all the time. When you, your closing shot is just of Liam Neeson's face, and I was already like my ass was already off my seat, and I was going, got credits, got credits, got credits, got credits. So I could just go right, dump and, and, and out because it was just it had got to that point where, it, like you said, that that third act was just way too drawn out that you were actually going, does he does he have to go down there again? Does, does he really? What, why? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, 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 so I, I can definitely see see that that point of view. I mean, my my real problem with it is the fact that, like, and maybe this is because of the reviews I was reading beforehand saying, and actually also, in, in, to be fair, in the marketing where Scott Frank had been saying, I, you know, I want to do kind of like the work of Alan J. Bakula. I want to like do like the parallax view of Clue, kind of get it back to that kind of vibe. And that's there in, in kind of dressing, I suppose. But a lot of the film kind of recalled for me more kind of like 90s, slightly gross, gnarly kind of exploitative thrillers. I mean, I, I like yeah. stuff like Copycat or, um, or, or 8mm. You know, that, yeah, it, it, it's more akin to, to, to that kind of that kind of thing, you know. Back, well, I suppose that's what it is. It's it's a it's a fifteen movie that is is essentially not for everyone. It's not for audiences that are fifteen to twenty two. It's for audiences above that. Which I must um, say, it's mental that they actually got this cut for a fifteen in the UK when. Yeah, I mean, okay, Taken 2 did really, really well as a 12A, but the Taken films and this are very, well, not very, very different, but they do feel for completely different audiences, like you said. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I totally, totally agree with that on there, yeah. You know, so, yeah, I, I just, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know, it kind of felt like an ever so slightly 
near miss to me, I suppose. Yeah, I think one of the sort of key issues I had with it is if you're going to make a what essentially is a crime thriller, then you've got to have certain things to draw it in, and the crime's got to be really quite interesting. And this wasn't, but you kind of get the idea that Scott Frank thought that it really was. But they seemed to go... They, they, there was bits sort of put out there, like ideas like, oh, well, you know, they're DA, or oh, actually they're not, but they might be working with the DA. But then nothing comes of that at all other than a conversation with um, some agents. And, 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 and that com- and th- that goes nowhere as well. Like, yeah, and, th- and that, th- that they're looking nowhere. at... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so the, the crime isn't really that that interesting. Um, when you, I mean, if you compare this to, to something similar uh, that we got last year, something like um, Prisoners, for instance, where the crime in that was actually really quite interesting, was this... It wasn't. So then you've got, right, well, the crime's not interesting, but that doesn't matter. What, what if the protagonist, what if he's really interesting? Um, so what is it about Liam Neeson's Max Cutter? What is it about him that's really interesting? You know, has he got, not even, not even a superpower, but, you know, he left the force, was he a really good detective, but something just went wrong? No, oh, sorry, his, his stick, his interesting thing is, he's a recovered alcoholic. Oh, alright. So, that's it. It, does he have any kind of special intuition powers? Was it, you know, it doesn't actually seem to. He just seems to wander around and go and talk to people. Footwork seems to be his special power. He doesn't yeah. mind going and talking to a lot of people. And then it's, all right, then, are the bad guys, are they interesting? No, they're terrible at all. They are not frightening in any single way. They're a fat guy with a weird accent, a guy who doesn't talk, and an incredibly camp guy who seems to think that he's terrifying when he's not. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I think I think that one. I think that's David Harbour, and I I actually thought he was he was okay. I mean, he is saddled with dialogue that does feel like it could have been Harry Connick Jr. in Copycat. Um, it is Harry Connick Jr. in that, isn't it? <laughs> it is Harry Connick Jr. Yeah, in yeah. Copycat. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually have a real soft spot for copycat. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying I, I don't like it or something, but it just like considering like that, like all the talk of it being like a seventies kind of gumshoe kind of thing. It, oh it, yeah. It, it did feel more like copycat, and uh, yeah, yeah, which I suppose is a, it was just disappointing <laughs> for me. But I don't know. I mean, I thought because because uh, I mean, I think one of the reasons why it could is it seemed like a strange choice. Um, I, I don't know that the book probably is set this time, but to make an, a, a 90s period piece, a late 90s period piece, with all of the the kind of Y2K things happening, which again plays in the film not at all, it just seems to be there because it was something that was happening in 1990. I, I think again that's just kind of like feeding into the kind of like the isolated or we don't really yeah. know what's going to happen kind of vibe. I will say the production design kind of annoyed me. Like, the amount of Y2K things that are about, like, bill, like billboards. Yeah. And there's a taxi Graffiti. or a bus that's, like, advertising about getting security for Y2K. And it's just a bit... I remember 1999. And, yes, Y2K was, like, kind of a big deal. But there weren't people advertising, like, in a mainstream sense saying... 
get your computer ready for Y2K with us, blah, blah, blah. It just, I don't know, that felt like a weird thing, like cultural reference to... And I can see what Scott Frank was going for there, but again, like the, the 70s kind of thing, it, it feels like set dressing, but not with any real narrative oomph. Funnily enough, in, in 1999, I actually worked uh, part-time for a company, a, a computer building company, that didn't actually build any computers. All they did was sell uh, Y2K uh, protection software, which was literally a program that installed an icon onto a computer. It's it nothing. That's it's not a computer, and it cost um, twenty-seven pounds. And for every one that I sold, I got ten of those twenty-seven pounds. So that's mental. I mean, there, there may I don't know what the age of our youngest listener is, and I'd be really intrigued to find out. But there may well be listeners to this podcast who don't who are too young to remember Y two K, which yeah. is fun. I mean, but I mean, it, 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 it's to give you a, a, a little quick two-second, what is it? Y2K was essentially a way for computer developers to scare people into thinking that all the clocks would just reset and go to zero and planes would fall out of the sky and everything with a computer chip in it would just malfunction. It was literally planes may fall out of the sky. Yeah. Like, that. those yeah. were headlines at the time. It, it, it was mental. Oh yeah, my, my, I mean, literally, it was it was the easiest thing in the world to sell. Which you literally all you did was you rang up people who were above a certain age bracket who didn't really understand computers, and you basically said, uh, "Do you have a computer? Yes. Uh, did it cost you a lot of money? Yes. Uh, for twenty-seven pounds, I can ensure that you protect that computer and all other devices in your house." That's disgusting. You're a terrible man. I am a yes, but but then again, I, I, I was at the time was like 15, 16 years old. No, seventeen years old. So seventeen years old, and I could make money doing it. So I was very happy about that. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, no, nice, but uh, yeah, I mean, so again, that just kind of feels like it's there for something, but it's not quite followed through on in in the film. Um, I don't know. I mean, the thing is. There's not an awful lot to say about a walk among the tombstones, really. I mean, it's. I think it's got the look, and I think Liam Neeson is is good. And I thought Dan Stevens was all right. I mean, I thought his character was actually quite interesting. And it's a shame that in the second half of the film, there's a there's a revelation about his his brother, like and and, and like his brother kind of. Um, like uh, tipping him off, to, uh, tipping the DEA off to him, and then through that, these guys actually, which is never explained as well, like how these guys actually got those files and whether they were were actually DEA. No, it, it just it just kind of ignores it. There's there's so many interesting things that nearly happen in this film that that don't happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I I don't know. Yeah, talking about it, I'm starting to slightly think maybe three point five out of five was a tad generous. But the thing is, I enjoyed... I, I, I actually had an alright time with it in cinema. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I think you can't really... You can't really take away from that. But it is... I mean, like, I'm, I'm five days removed from it now. And it, it's, it's ephemeral. There's, there's really not a lot to it. And I'm finding it hard to remember specific moments, really. And, I, I mean, I just... I, I thought there were bits that were just a bit a bit gnarly and a bit I, I mean there's um 
there's uh, that flashback the uh, the kind of the, the Scandinavian dude who I swear was only included because he's probably a supporting character in the killing or Borgen or something like that. <laughs> you know, they're just before they might grab a, a few extra dollars or something like by casting him. Um, but the, like, there's a scene where he's remembering um, that uh, these guys kind of like kidnapping the the, the, the woman and it, it kind of like, it's cut into him and he's kind of like, he's kind of slightly half smiley, but he knows he shouldn't. And, you know, it, it feels like there's, it's a cut away from him kind of masturbating. And it's, it's a bit, a bit wallowing, I I, I, I think, a touch. Um, and so, I don't know. There's a, I, I don't really have too much more to say. I mean, uh, Mark, do you? Uh, I, I don't really, no. It, 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 it's, it's a funny one. It, it just... It's, it's not... It's not an absolutely terrible film. It's not. And I could see why some people would, would get on with it and would allow it, you know, it, it's... I mean, yeah, it, it is nearly two hours long, but it, it just nothing really happened. I mean, I, I, the last thing I'll, I'll sort of say on it is, um, I was um, I watched it last night, um, which I had to go against my code of never going to the cinema on a Wednesday, um, and I was getting picked up at uh, quarter past nine, and I looked, I watched one point and went, it's quarter past nine, and I know now that there's. That this has got at least another five minutes left of it, and it was supposed to finish at fourteen minutes past nine. And at one point, my brain actually went, "You could just fucking leave." Uh, well, and I, so because in my brain goes, "It's only another five minutes." I, I, my brain actually was saying, "Yeah, but fuck all's happened. Fuck all's happened in the past fucking hundred and twelve minutes. Fucking now it's happening for the last five. It's like, no, I'm staying. Of course I'm staying. That's a stupid idea. And then when it actually finished, oh, I could have fucking gone." <laughs> Uh, and, and that was it. And I, I, I despise it, you know, missing the end of a movie or missing the beginning or anything like that. Yeah, that's it so stupid. It was just nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 but I don't know. I thought, like you say, there are interesting elements, like the, the kind of like his kind of in the second half of the film where that other kind of drug dealer guy kind of comes into it and, you know, it kind of feels like there, 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 there could be more there, you know, and, like, it, Scudder's relationship with, with these drug dealers and the, the fact that, you know, they aren't just cartoon bad guys and it, it, it feels like there's... It kind of feels like there's, there's more ground that could be explored in a sequel, but mm. at the same time, this film hasn't made nearly enough money to, to warrant a sequel, so... This this will probably it, be it on screen for Matt Scudder for now. Even though I know there was a Matt Scudder film in the eighties as well. Um, I can't remember what, what it was, was called, it? but um, so I'm gonna have to pause for two seconds while I've gone grab his about. Yeah, sure. Right. I might just uh, keep going. What am I looking at? I'm just going to talk about what I'm looking at at the, mo- uh, at the moment. So I'm on iTunes um, looking at stuff. I've got some credit on iTunes, so I'm thinking oh, I might buy some stuff, you know, buy some films or whatever. Um, what have I bought so far? I bought something earlier on, I can't remember what it was. That's embarrassing. What the fuck did I buy earlier on? I just bought House of the Devil on iTunes. But what the hell else did I buy? I bought something earlier on. I'm going to find out what it is. I've got a... Hmm... Let's have a look, folks. Let's have a look. Right, where am I going? Videos. Films. Oh, 
Yeah, I bought the girl with the dragon tattoo. I forgot about that. Yeah, okay, so I bought... Yeah, well, I forgot about that. That's what I'm just saying. So I bought the girl with the dragon tattoo, and I bought the house of the devil. I've been getting into my iTunes buying, actually, um, even though I was talking on the show about, um, you know, going back to physical media and whatnot. But what I like about iTunes, uh, uh, the iTunes extras, which are kind of like the same, uh, a lot of the same as physical media stuff, but I like the fact they make the effort, because that was like one thing that I that I wanted that it wasn't about. And also, I mean, like, I, I, looking through the prices, the prices actually aren't that bad as long as you catch things at specific times. I bought the, uh, the Stanley Kubrick 7 film collection, which is the same as the UK um, Stanley Kubrick uh, visionary director collection in, in the UK uh, for, uh, what was it, 22.99 in HD? And um, every single one comes with extras. And I mean, like, the Clockwork Orange one has got the hour and a half oh Lucky Malcolm documentary on it. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, so what was it? Barry Lyndon, Clockwork Orange, Eyes Wide Shut, Full Metal Jacket, Lolita, uh, The Shining, 2001, for um, like twenty two ninety nine or so, which, which was pretty good. I got The Wolf of Wall Street for six ninety nine. It's not bad. I sold my steelbook a few months ago for like 20 quid, so uh, that's not bad going. And, you know, so, yeah, uh, I'm kind of like feeling that stuff. And the, the, I mean, the iTunes extras are, are good, and um, with iOS, you can watch them on the iPad and the iPhone now as well. So, uh I don't know that um, I like that. I like the portability is a big thing for me. But um, hey, um, I'm assuming Mark's coming back. Sounds like he is. I think he's swearing at his daughter. I think she's like ten or eleven or twelve years old as well. Hello. Hello. Right, sorry about that. No worries, I managed to fill the gap. <coughs> cool. Right. So, um, I walk among the tombstones. I think we're pretty much done. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say, the thing is, I'm going to say definitely not shit, but I think I am going to take it down to a three out of five. So it's close to touching cloth, but under my rules, a three out of five is definitely not shit. I'd, I'd like to, in my mind, uh, say that I'm uh, touching cloth on it, but to be honest, I think I'm, I'm edging towards the fact that it was a bit shit, <laughs> to okay. be honest. It's not for you, oh, there's, no, there's no shame in that at all. Yeah, unfortunately, and I, I hate to say it, because I really, I really actually was quite looking forward to it, but yeah, I'm afraid I'm a, it, was, it was a bit shit. <laughs> no, fair enough, man, fair enough. Um, okay, so... We may as well, actually. We're, we're kind of recording in two different parts today, but we, we may as well do this next bit next. What do you think? Yes. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. So I, I think it kind of makes sense with the flow of the show. So yeah. we'll, uh, we'll get into the first part of the, of the last part <laughs> of uh, uh, Ian and Mark Suckcox in Hell. Um, I think we'll probably kind of talk about um, Exorcist at the beginning and Dominion kind of in the same bit. Yeah, probably. We'll probably do all three at, at, at once. <laughs> oh, so do you want to do Exorcist 3 at the same time as... If I was thinking if we do Exorcist 3... Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, but actually, yeah. <sighs> Fucking hell. All right. We'll do Exorcist um, 3, and then we'll, we'll, we'll... After this, you'll probably get a review of um, Maps of Stars, and then you'll get it. the... Yeah. yeah, yeah, all right. Let's let's just do that, then. All right. Yes. Yeah, okay, so we'll we'll do that. 
We'll do March of the Stars. We're 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 doing show editing on the fly, folks. So there you go. <laughs> I, 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 I'm editing this week, and God knows I'm not editing that out. So, um, okay, so yeah, let's get the trailer for uh, the Exorcist free, and uh, we'll get into it. So The Exorcist 3 is uh, written and directed by William Peter Blatty, uh, based on his novel Legion, and uh, stars George C. Scott, uh, Brad Dourif, uh, Jason Miller, and others. story is uh, George C. Scott is uh, Lieutenant Kinderman, um, who has um, uh, changed person yes. since The Exorcist, um, as has Father Dyer. Yeah, he's um, now Ed Flanders, not Ned Flanders. Very good. Uh, very good. Very good. Um, so, uh, yeah, he, he's um, Kinderman, and um, every year on the anniversary of um, Father Karras' death, they um, go uh, they go to the cinema to see It's a Wonderful Life together. Uh, it's around that period that um, some strange killings have started, which bear the hallmarks of the Gemini killer, a uh, killer that Kinderman thought was dead, but appears to have re-emerged and is enacting his uh, terribleness uh, once again. Um, and somehow it's linked into the events of the first film. Uh, Mark, uh, William Peter Batty's The Exorcist Free. Um, even though I say William Peter Blatty's, uh, and it says so on, on the titles, but um, this cut isn't really his cut. Well, he, he shot it because uh, I actually asked Mark Kermode about this on Twitter and he got back to me and said that Blatty was forced to shoot it and Morgan Creek basically said, otherwise we'll get somebody else to shoot it. So, um, yeah, basically the last 20 minutes of this film, actually I'll get into this and get your reactions on this first because I don't know how much you know about this. 
Not in, that much, to be honest. In William Peter Blatty's version, Jason Miller is not in the film. Oh. There's know. also no exorcism at the end. That kind of makes sense. Yes, it does, and we'll get into that. Um, but the uh, the powers that be at Morgan Creek kind of basically made him reshoot the stuff, otherwise they were just going to take it out of his hands. So, um, yeah, and you know, considering it's based on it on his book as well, you know, it's a bit. I can see why he um, why he sucked that particular cock. Uh, mm. Mark, so when when was the last time you watched this? Uh, the last time I watched this was probably in the mid nineties. I yeah, I think I would say probably late nineties, early noughties for me. It's been yeah. a long, long time. Anyway, I, w- I would say it, it's been ooh fifteen plus years. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I I think I may go for that as well. Um, and I mean, what what did you think this time round? I honestly, um, I think The Exorcist um, might be one of the great underrated horror movies of its time. Do you mean The Exorcist Three? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I I I do. I think I was. Um, Actually, I'll be honest, I've watched it twice to make sure that the first time I wasn't being too generous on it. I watched it once last night, uh, and uh, I watched it again once this morning. Um, I went to work particularly early, uh, so I'd have a couple of hours before I actually officially started work, so I could actually watch this again and kind of go, right, was it that I was just... In a mood for this type of movie, or you know, does it still kind of have that resonance? And bear in mind, I watched it, started watching it at eleven o'clock last night, and finished watching it at about just shy one in the morning, and then watched it again at um, just after eight, and finished watching it at just before ten this morning. Nice. Um, no, I, it's not perfect. Don't get me wrong, by any stretch of imagination, it's not perfect, but. Uh, I think in George C. Scott, you, you have this amazing, charismatic and wonderfully warm character taking you through uh, this really quite brilliant movie uh, for the vast majority of the time. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and I I cannot... Well, the only reason why I could think why this film isn't spoken above about in much higher kind of tones is the fact that Quite simply, is the only reason I could give is it's not The Exorcist, and that's it. I yeah. think if this would have been maybe not related to The Exorcist and tweaked ever so slightly, so it was, you know, it removed the the kind of the the, the tie-ins with The Exorcist, you'd have an incredible standalone movie. Yeah, and it I mean, works slightly better because of those things. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's I I think it's interesting because the the bits that are connecting it to the Exorcist, if you take out the exorcism at the end, are essentially a couple of a, a, a couple of characters really, mm. and yeah. I mean it's a very very separate story, but it it feels for the most part it does feel spiritual spiritually of a piece of with the first film. Which yeah. the, the second film, not for one second, does that. Oh no! Um, but this, it, it it feels like it is in that world, 
where you know things are just a bit off-putting and unsettling. Even though I actually think the 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 kind of the atmosphere that Blatty conjures here as a whole may actually be creepier than the atmosphere as a whole of The Exorcist, just because outside of Reagan's room. You, you do, I mean, you do have moments, but it kind of feels like you're relatively safe. Yeah. Whereas here, it does slightly feel like this evil could actually come in at any point. And that certainly gets more so in the last third. And there are moments in the last third of the film, I think some that obviously not, not really Blatty's doing, but maybe some that are which go a little bit outre and and lose me slightly. Um, yeah. Sorry, go I, mean, I think part of that is, is, is exactly what you're saying there, is the the evil in in The, the Exorcist is essentially in... Um, in Reagan. Reagan's room, yeah. It, or, yeah, it, in that room, it, yes. It, it, it's there. And so everything else is trying to, is focusing around them. Like you said, there is almost like a, the door closing puts everyone else in a safe place. With this, you don't even really know what the evil is or who the evil is, except this guy who's claiming to be the evil, but you don't actually know how he is the evil. Um, but he's seriously making a very convincing case for the fact that he is. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, the, the good thing is as well is that this guy, you don't really get Brad Dourif and Jason Miller really in it properly for probably like 45, 50 minutes. You've got cutaways every now and then to Jason Miller, like in a dark room, kind of saying one, like one word, like this one bit where it just cuts to him and he goes, Kevin. And it just kind of cuts to an unseen, <laughs> which, which is, which is unfortunate. But again, Black, like Blatty's original cut didn't have Jason Miller in it at all, so that bit wouldn't have been in that cut. So there's, a, I mean, there's a lot of stuff here that you can explain away. Um, but and I mean, I will, I will say as well, there's there's a dream sequence very early on in in, in the film, which I think is a bit goofy. Um, you know, where it's like in the hospital and they've got like angel wings on and stuff, and it's, uh, I'm a little bit I could do without that, but. Even though the, the, the combination of the kind of the, the down and dirty hospital and, and these angels kind of walking about, I thought was kind of an interesting visual, but it just maybe doesn't quite work as well as I'd like it to. <coughs> Pardon me, sorry. Um, but the, uh, yeah, I, it, it just the, 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 like the kind of the variety of kind of scares and kills in this as well are really effective. I mean, you've got the, the church confession box scene. Which is creepy as fuck. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, like the, the, where it sounds like a little old lady just talking about, like, sins. And you never actually see any killing, but just, like, the way that builds up is insane. Like, just so effective. Um, so, I mean, you've got these, these kind of horrific scenes, but they're kind of interspersed with George C. Scott, at least for the first half of the film, just kind of going about his day and kind of doing his shit and meeting up with Father Dyer and whatnot. And this, and then kind of like the encroaching kind of like, oh, there's been this killing and then there's this killing and all oh, that killing was really nasty. And then, holy shit. And then it, that kind of climaxes, which like, uh, uh, like uh, I suppose really seals 
George C. Scott's character kind of into it with the the killing of Father Dyer and mm. like that horrific idea of just like his entire blood supply being put into these jars and not a drip of blood actually being like spilled. Yeah, and the jars are all perfectly set. There's not like there's no like run marks or anything along the side of them. They're all the same level as well. There's none, not not one of them spilled more than the other one. Yeah, it, it's a really it's a really nice clean shot, you know. And and it's kind of it, it adds to the weight of, of that happening. The fact that we've seen some sort of quite sort of sweet scenes between these two characters, who obviously. You know, are obviously close friends, and they have a great kind of power with each other uh, that works really well. Yeah, quite, quite. And uh, but I mean, I, and then the, the the film kind of gets into the slightly more like straight up horrific stuff. And even though I mean, before it gets silly, you have got um, I mean, a, a, a kind of a scare scene that literally. I remembered the framing of this shot since the first time I'd seen the film. Like as soon as the specific shot started, and it's it's quite a long sequence. It does cut away a couple of times to other shots, but this like this kind of master shot as such of this one sequence in the hospital. Yeah, that I, I just like is imprinted in my mind from the first time I saw it. Because I don't, like, back in the day, I don't remember shitting myself at a jump scare more than I ever did with this. I mean, the original Friday the 13th comes close with the uh, Jason coming out of the water, like, honestly, because I didn't know that was coming the first (laughs) time I saw it. Um, But the big white figure with the shears... Oh, it's glorious, isn't it? It is. I mean, like, genuinely, I, 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 I... you know, I don't care what people think. I actually fast-forwarded through this scene until after it, and then kind of frame-reversed, so I knew it was coming, and then pressed play. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, 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 I'm a twat for, for, for a jump scare. They, they get me all of the time. Um, I'm one of those lucky horror fans that the um, jump scares still really get me, and I actually still actually quite like them. I've not got all sort of sniffy about them like some kind of modern horror fans seem to have got a little bit sniffy about about jump scares. Um, and I I knew about it, and I knew it was going to happen, and it still got me. But it's it's such a well edited um, scene into it because she actually she turns around and she locks the door. And it's literally as she turns around and takes a step, it just appears. Yeah. It, it's it's and it, it, the, it's the figure and the whole kind of thing, and it, it is. There's little touches like that that make you go, actually, this is a really good film. And it's just the fact that you're not, uh, I mean, like, you've not had any inkling that there's a big white hooded figure in white around oh, with a pair appears. of shears. It just, yeah, it just appears, and it's the fact that you are just. You know something's going to happen, but that particular beat, like you say, just the way it's set up there, you just don't... It, it knocks you for six. It's I've said this before, maybe on Heroes, maybe on here, maybe on both, but it, it, it reminds me of Drag Me to Hell, where I think a lot of the scares in that film work, because Sam Raimi knows the usual rhythm of horror jump scares and messes with with the rhythm. It's like... He might do a beat earlier or a beat later, 
and yeah. this feels like that school. Mm. And, and, and but the thing is, like, it, it, is, it is a jump scare, but it's also one that feels earned and it feels relevant to the plot. I mean, I, I mean, we'll get into Exorcist at the beginning later on the show, but I like today I just started started watching it, and there's a jump scare early on involving birds in the uh, in an underground church that makes no sense whatsoever. And it, it, it just, it, I don't know, like, I, I think of a jump scare in Poltergeist 3, oh, no, Poltergeist 3, sorry, um, in Exorcist 3, and then compare it to something like that. And it, 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 it's just, it's apples and oranges. It's the same technique, but the context is so different. Yeah, I, I think as well with this, it's not, it, it's not a <clears throat> jump scare. It's no. just a, it appears. Mm. And it's, what, and we've, like you said, we've not seen it before. And we don't see it afterwards. You see the, I mean, yeah, you see the shears, but you don't see yeah. that figure again. Yeah, you don't see that figure again. And it, it, all you know is that that nurse was killed. And it was probably by that figure with the shears. Yeah. Uh, but you don't actually see the death or anything like that. You just see that image. And it, it, it's, it's just so well done. I was actually watching it going... I wonder how they did that. I wonder if it, I wonder if it is actually if it's edited, whereas they edited it so it was there, or whether or not the door when she locks it, there's an opening in the door for just to walk through, or, or anything like that. And when when you're actually watching a film, and after something's happened, you're starting to think, I wonder how they did that. You know that it's well done. Totally. And and you know it's there's it's a film that doesn't rely on kind of those. Um, traditional kind of horror tropes, but it, when it does them, it does them really well. It, it very much is more a sedate kind of sit down, and you know, there's there's some great kind of scenes where you've got two people essentially just talking to each other, and that's creating all of the atmosphere within it. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely, I, I mean, I, and that's why it's such a shame that towards the end it does get a bit. I mean, I I really really like this film. I I too think it's insanely underrated uh, and I agree if it wasn't an exorcist film I think it probably would be talked up more but the last 20-25 minutes or so pretty much from when the um, the the nurse or the oh, old nice. lady like kind of goes around the, around his house yeah it just it kind of feels like right that's not the film I've, just, I've been watching for the last hour and 10 minutes or so this no, is this is crazy, different yeah. this yeah, is it, different it certainly it goes a little bit less controlled and a little bit less um, a little bit less thoughtful, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it, it just it, I, I think it just gets overblown, really. I mean, you've got the the priest who comes to do the exorcism; he's barely been in the film up until this point. Yeah, um, I mean, like there, there's no. I mean, you, you've seen a, a couple of scenes, and I, I don't know. He, he, and suddenly he's there, and it, I, I, I feel sorry for Blatty because God, how, how it must have been to shoot shoot that stuff. I mean, like you know, towards the end where like the the the, the floor cracks open and the, the cross comes up, and it suddenly feels like we're back in Exorcist to the heretic world. Yeah, it does a little bit there. You were you, you, you watching it going, hmm, all right, you, hmm, yeah, you, you've got me, and I'm on board. But not really sure what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, it just, 
it just it doesn't feel like the rest of it. No, it, it, it does feel incongruous to what we've seen before in terms of the quality and the styling and the the intelligence, I suppose, of the of what we've seen before. It goes, like you say, a little bit overblown. Yeah, I mean, which is such a shame as well, because I mean, like, Brad DeRiff is amazing. Yeah, he, he, he's very good. The way that, you know, not on, because obviously you've got the, the two actors playing the same character, essentially, in the same role. But even when it's just Brad Dourif, um the fact that he uses sort of um, two or three different voices as he's talking uh, to kind of change pace and intonation and tone. And but it's always still in the same kind of accent, and it's not his accent; it's an accent that he's created for the character. But then he has this great pitch where he goes, where you can see him getting mad, and and then he, he, he sedates himself and calms down, and then flows, and it, it, it all works so perfectly. And then when you've got that across the road from someone like John Gypsy Scott, who who is very kind of, um, he, he's not, he, he's almost. Like you get the feeling that it was probably written as being quite a stoic character, but he's not stoic. He's kind of almost like playful. Like, look, I've seen so much shit that none of this is freaking me out, but I am actually quite interested in what the fuck's going on. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it, it, it's exactly that. He's it, a bit. I mean, the thing is, I mean, like Kinderman in, in the first one's not the most stoic character in the world, but here it kind of feels like he's just gotten a bit older. He's enjoyed his food, and he's just a, he's a bit more kind of ready to just like fuck with people almost yeah uh, and um yeah i mean I, I i i don't know i enjoy that it feels like a lived-in character i mean mm. i it yeah I, I i don't know i feel like i actually kind of feel like i'm slightly shitting on it which i'm which i i really don't want to because i i think it's it's a pretty remarkable horror which for the most part Treats it, 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 it treats itself incredibly seriously. I mean, well, it does for the whole thing, but it's just the last twenty minutes. You don't feel like it's being particularly serious anymore. Uh, yeah, and it, which is such a shame. But I don't know. I, it just it, it does. It really recalls the first film in in the vast majority of it, but there are just little bits where it it does kind of feel like The Exorcist too. And I mean, you know, with with the the, the whole kind of thing about how Morgan Creek like really fucked the dog on um on Exorcist the beginning and, and Dominion prequel to The Exorcist, and it, it you can see that studio meddling with Blatty's vision here like ten fifteen years before those films even came out. Mm. And it just, I don't know, it just kind of feels like what what don't people understand was so effective about the first one? You know, it's 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 the realism, it's the kind of the pervading sense of something not being quite right, which, like I say, I think for a lot of The Exorcist 3, that, that sense is actually done better here than I think it is done in The Exorcist. But, I, I mean, I, but, you know, I'm not... Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that, yeah. film. It, you know, it's it's a different film. It's, it's got different motives. This is more sprawling. It's more about the kind of the evil infecting the world. But you you balance that against Brad Dourif having a really unfortunate monologue about having to reanimate Karis's brain cells, which just feels like what you're, <laughs> yeah. you're a demon. Yeah. Why are you reanimating Karis's brain cells? It just it all it feels like this is this is why I did it, this is how I did it, you know, it, it just, no. Mm. 
yeah, it, it, it's like you say, it, it does. The thing is, is I, I was already sort of on board with it, but you are kind of noticing, say, thinking that this doesn't, it do, like you say, it doesn't quite feel like the rest of the film. Yeah. However, what is there? I mean, like, what is the rest of the film is spot on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even I mean, even the last twenty minutes is still better than anything that's in the the, the Exorcist Two uh, by a long way. Um, and I, I, I'd say with, with the Exorcist uh, Three, it is I, I will end up watching it again. You know, um, it'll be one that I watch every couple of years just for the simple fact that. I enjoyed watching it so much, and there's there's some great great performances in it from um, Josh C. Scott to Brad Dourif. Um, I also thought Nancy Fish as the um, the bitch nurse yeah, yeah, was, was really quite quite brilliant. Um, the fact that she's just she's so unpleasant um, to him. Uh, with the exception of when she's the one time she's been nice to him, and he actually thanks her for being nice to him, and her response is, "What is this?" Yeah, she just goes, sort of looks at him, cocks her and goes, "I'm a bitch." <laughs> it's like, yes, yes, you are. Yeah. And then she continues being a bitch for the rest of it, which just it, it, it is is quite wonderful. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it, it, it's just it is those little moments which I think the first film does have as well. The the the, the, the odd little interactions like I mean like like Kinderman like first meeting Karis and the uh, conversation about films and and whatnot you know it's um it's those things that just like give it all a lived in feel which I, I think does come from Blatty as as much as um as much as freaking I mean it certainly is is a place here it just um I don't know it's a shame that the film ends with um with somebody coming out of a the ground on a cross where with like a load of arms reaching up and stuff it, it just yeah, yeah bit of a shame I mean, I mean it, it is strange that um, William Peter Blatty has directed two films uh, and they're The Exorcist 3 and The Ninth Configuration um, which you know to have only two directing uh, films on your CV they're two pretty good films yeah I need to check out The Ninth Configuration I've never seen and, it I'm very I mean, intrigued it it, it it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Is what I'll say. Um, yeah, it's an interesting film, uh, but I kind of think that it because you you, you kind of enjoyed the Exorcist three so much. I would think you'll probably quite like it. Yeah, I, 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 I'm kind of betting I would actually. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, to be honest, I think we've pretty much run out of the amount of time I've got anyway. But it sounds like we're coming to an end. Yeah, I, I haven't. It, it, it's a definitely not shit. Um, if you've not seen it. Um, and you are a horror fan, which I'm guessing you probably are for listening to this podcast, um, not because we always cover horror or anything like that, but because myself and Ian are quite um, big horror uh, fans, so if that's how you come to it, then, then brilliant. Uh, if it's not one you've seen, um, really, uh, it is very much worth a watch, and incredibly definitely not shit. Yeah, 100%, definitely not shit. I mean, despite, you know, despite my reservations on there, there is like 80% of this film is fantastic. Yeah, um, really, really fantastic. Yeah, like really fantastic. So yeah, great stuff. Um, okay, so we'll um, break there. We are going to have a uh, clip from the trailer for David Cronenberg's Maps to the Stars, which uh, 
did come out in the UK this past weekend, if when you're listening to this. Uh, you know, it doesn't come out in the US until like next year, which is mental. But um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, um, yeah. Maps to the Stars. His uh, clip. Neither of us have actually seen it yet, but uh, when <laughs> we get back from this clip, we will have. We will. Havana, sweetheart. I and I hate to be leaving this on your phone, but um, they announced that Damien went with Athita. I know, and I respect the reasons why it was so important to. <laughs> happening in LA? Visiting family. On the last season of Praise the Lords, I was making 300,000 a week. I was nine years old. What are they offering? Five million. What do you think? I think we have their balls. Havana, come on. The purchase written of it. She used to let producers stick their cocks in her ass and pee. Breathe. I hired a girl. It's amazing. Why is it amazing? It's, it's not a very glamorous job. I'm not used to glamour. She's disfigured. Burned in a fire on her face. People don't just enter our lives randomly. We call them. Then what is she doing here? Maybe she's sightseeing. Why are you so cavalier? I can't believe I just spent eighteen thousand dollars. Let's go, Havana. This is your own. I'm a big fan. Aww. Casting people call me three times. Oh my God, Azita. Well, Azita's in the hospital. You know, she totally lost it. No. I know it's beyond, but do you still want to do it? Na 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 na. Hey hey hey. Goodbye. Come on, sing it. On the forehead of my friends, on every hand held out, I write your name. It's about your sister. I think you may be back. I think you're a little crazy. Fuck you. Am I better looking than her? You want that role, but you're not gonna get it. <laughs> it was like a dream, but it seems so fucking real. I'm alive, and I'm not crazy! You can't have actually believed I would let you come back and fuck up my world again. On the stairs of death, I write your name, Liberty. Okay, and uh, we are back. That was a clip from the trailer for David Cronenberg's Maps to the Stars. Uh, we are now kind of back in the future again. And uh, <laughs> so literally five seconds ago, I just finished the kind of the introduction of the show. And now we're skipping ahead like... An Half hour. The show. So, yeah. so uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, David Cronenberg's Maps uh, to the Stars. Um, stars uh, John Cusack, uh, Julianne Moore, uh, Olivia Williams, Mia Wasikowska, um, and others. Um, story is, actually, I'm going to get the kid's name up because uh, he's, you know, obviously a major part of it. Uh, but, Evan yeah. Bird. Evan Bird. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay, and Evan Bird. So, story is Mia Wasikowska plays Agatha, a um, a kind of a bright-eyed girl with uh, burns due to a previous incident, who has come to LA uh, because just because she wanted to see LA. Um, she through uh, a connection with Carrie Fisher, um, who appears in the film playing herself. Uh, weirdly. Um, she gets a job uh, as uh, Julianne Moore's personal assistant. Julianne Moore plays um, Havana Sagram. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's her name. Good work. Um, you're more prepared than I am. Uh, a, a kind of an aging actress who is up 
for a part playing her mother, um, who is played by Sarah Gadon in the film, uh, a uh, young actress who died mysteriously, uh, died in a fire, and Julianne Moore is up for a role playing her, despite the fact she's actually older than her mother was when she died. Uh, in amongst this as well, you have uh, Evan Bird playing Benji, uh, a child actor who is uh, negotiating his role for a sequel to his hit Bad Babysitter franchise. Uh, but he's a bit of a prick, and his mother, played by Olivia Williams, and his father, played by John Cusack, struggle to control him. Um, all the kind of the plot threads kind of converge in various ways the characters kind of intermingle and uh, the film turns into a story about familial secrets and uh, Mark what did you think of Match to the Stars? Um, first of all what I'll say is, is, is and we say this a lot but we are all spoilers all of the time uh, and Match to the Stars there will be some spoilers uh, that, that come out uh, in reviewing I would say wouldn't there? Uh, yeah for sure um, there was stuff that was happening in this film that I did not know about in the slightest. So yeah, uh, yeah be be warned. Mm. Um, it's it, it's strange, um, Maps to the Stars, because it's one of those films where when it finished and it, and it ended, I kind of I'm, I'm, I was at the point going, I know that I I enjoyed watching it to an extent. Uh, I laughed a lot. Um, I didn't it. it it didn't really shock me because I felt like it was intentionally trying to shock me uh, in places. But I was interested in the story. Um, I don't think it ended as well as all the build-up had been. And I kind of finished and went, right, I think I enjoyed it. And I think it's a good film. But I might be mistaken. I'm not really sure. And I think that that is pretty much exactly what um, Cronenberg wanted to happen. I don't think, you know, I don't think he's made this film, or I don't think he made any of his films to be sort of universally loved. What I'll say is, the minute it finished, I thought, I really kind of want to watch it again. Though um, there's a lot, there's a lot going on, and as we're always with Cronenberg, not all of it kind of works or even makes sense. Um, and some of it just misses too far, but it's really fucking interesting <laughs> to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was disappointed um, personally. I, I I agree that it's interesting to watch while you're watching it, but um, afterwards, it just I think it doesn't do anything that we haven't seen from a Hollywood satire since at least uh, the player. Um, at least, um, I mean, okay, child, child stars a bit of a dickhead, right? Okay, aging actress yeah. is finding it hard to get roles. Great, uh, you know, ingenue has some secrets. Brilliant, I d- like that. N- none of that, I, you know, I, I, you know, the, the kind of the Hollywood parents, you know, caring more about mm. if their kids gonna like be able to like take part in the next part of the franchise over another kid's, a different kid's health. Um, it just, there was nothing particularly fresh or vibrant about the film. And I, I thought it got a little bit car crashy in the third act for me, to be honest. Um, it, I, it, it got increasingly soapy. Um, yeah. And by the end, I just, I was like, um, 
I don't really know what to think, but like coming away from it, I it just I, I've actually seen a few people on Twitter say this, but I'd echo it. It felt pointless to me. Um, but Julianne Moore is fantastic, and if the film focused on her character more and dived into her character more, I would have appreciated it. I mean the the stuff with Sarah Gaddon and her is really interesting. And then they pretty much drop it. Um, yeah, in, in favour of the... Um, Mia Wasikowska. Uh, 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 Evan Bird thing. Yeah. yeah. Which, which isn't anywhere near as, like you say, as interesting a, a thread as what they've created with, with Julianne Moore uh, and her, her kind of self-indulgent... Um, kind of paranoia. Yeah, because I mean, the thing is, as soon as she gets the part, Sarah Gaddon doesn't appear on screen again or anything. So it just it makes you think. Well, what was the point of having all of that? Because it's not it's not really connected. Apart from the fact that Mia Wasikowska works for her, it's not really connected to what becomes the main thrust of the plot later on either. No, and and then the other thing is 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 there's there's interesting bits there, like it's been. She's come out that she was um, sexually abused by her mother um, when she was a child, but it is also said that that um, is actually complete. She's fabricated that as well, and it's never confirmed whether or not. I don't. I don't. I don't. Whether, I didn't feel like it was confirmed whether or not that it was just she had been sexually abused or she'd made it up to kind of have something to terrible in her life to look back on or something like that. And that all those threads were really interesting. And like you say, they're kind of dropped for one of the least interesting characters in the film um, is uh, Mia Wasikowska's character. Yet she seems to be... Um, in Cronenberg's eyes, the main character and the most interesting character. And whether or not, I, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I've, I've always found her a very, a very bland actress. There's, there just doesn't seem to be there. There's no kind of overriding charisma to her that, that draws me to her. She's a little bit like the female Emile Hirsch, where I just can't understand why she keeps getting these plum roles. Yeah, I mean, I think she works well in something like Stoker, where it's almost like her character gets character through the course of the film. But yeah. her character in in this, I, d- I don't know, it, it's essentially, she goes, she's pretty straight the first half of the film, then she goes off her meds, and then she does exactly what everyone thinks she's going to do. They're, they're mm. all worried about her basically, like, trying to, like, essentially, like, marry her brother and kill him. And that's what she does at the end. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know. It, I mean, also, it felt to me like there was connective tissue missing here. Like, Julianne Moore's character goes from being pally with Mia Wasikowska's character to giving her a load of shit in the space of one scene. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I think literally the scene before the scene where she ends up killing her is where they're jumping around and, say, and like singing goodbye yeah, that, but I think, and, and, you know, and then, and then, and then but, she talks a boyfriend, and then, and then it is an absolute bitch to her. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. It it kind of feels. It felt to me like 
someone trying to do Mulholland Drive, but doing it really badly. But the person doing it is David Cronenberg. I could, I, do you know what? I, I can absolutely agree with that there. Yeah. You know, because I, I can def- definitely see that um, in terms of it's not quite to that. It's, it's nowhere near that level. And it does seem there, there were bits in it where I did feel a little bit like going. Essentially, the script and Cronenberg are trying to shock me now. Yeah, they're attempting to go. Oh, look at this! Look at this! And, and it's it's not. It's me going a little bit. Uh, all right. And there were moments like that. Um, I, I I mean I am kind of enjoying this John Cusack. It, uh, is morphing into a slightly less charismatic version of Christopher Walken that's happened over the past few years. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, and you know, for for a guy who is you know not even fifty yet, he's 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 not weathering his 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 off screen uh, lifestyle well. We'll say. Um, but yeah, he's you know even his character was was quite interesting, and um, his and Olivia Williams' characters were quite were quite interesting, except until there's a point where it, Olivia Williams just goes fucking mad essentially and there's a, a long scene of her just crying in the back where I was a bit like right and, and, and did she set herself on fire at the end um uh, yes she did yeah alright I mean in in, in, in in what what I will say now is there should never <laughs> ever 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 in 2014, on a movie that, you know, that costs, you know, not a lot of money, but it had a budget of, I think, between 10 and 15 million. dollars estimated. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, isn't that bad a budget for the type of movie it is, should never have um, CGI that bad. It's, it, it's brutal. It's, it's brutal. I very nearly text you. Um, to say straight at it, I thought, what if he hasn't seen it and I don't want to spoil it, which I don't think it would have. It'd have been too cryptic, but I'm too spoiler scared to do it. I nearly text you uh, when I came out to just say CGI fire. Just no. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's it, it, it's brutal. Um, it's so bad. But but I mean the thing, but the thing is, I don't I don't hate the film. I'm very disappointed by it. And like I say, more so. Coming away I, 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 from it. Yeah, I think in that that walking out of the cinema, that hitting fresh air. I think we probably both left it and hit that fresh air in exactly the same place. Except you've leaned towards the ah, yeah. and I've gone ah like that, and it's just that kind of slight difference of I don't think it's it's magnificent or anything like that. It, it's not, but I did find it quite interesting and quite playful and fun at points to be honest you know the watching Evan Bird just be an utter dick <laughs> was quite was quite funny at points I know yeah I actually I had some fun with him as well and um, I mean I liked the uh, there's a scene early on where they're kind of like negotiating and it's just I like the way that um, Cronenberg framed it where it kind of almost feels like how many sides to this table are there? You know, just like, <laughs> yeah. like it just seems to be cutting 
between so many different people, and I, I don't know, I, I, I like the, the kind of all the like the fake reactions and all that kind of stuff, and the, the kind of like just trying to read between the lines of everything everyone's saying. I thought yeah, nobody's telling the truth yeah, at all. Yeah. Everyone's just trying to please everybody. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, but then you just. I, I don't know, as it as it gets more and more enamoured with its shitty, soapy crap at the end, I just switch off. I, I, you know, I just I just tune out. And, and by the end, it, it's just totally doing its normal thing and wh- whatever. I, I just, I'm done. Yeah, because like I said, the Evan Bird character uh, is it, interesting because you get the feeling like he's been a dick because he can be a dick, but he's probably not actually um, he's probably not actually that much of a dick. Because there's a moment where, where we were first introduced to him, and he's gone to the hospital to see the kid, mm. um, and he, he asked the kid, you know, how did you get AIDS? And she's like, I don't have AIDS, and so he's got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And then when he comes out of it, he's not angry that he had to go and see the kid. He's angry that they got the kid, what was wrong with the kid, wrong. And it just seems like he's, there's points where he's a complete dick, and it's more that he's just a dick because he can be a dick. With the exception of to that kid that he um, just keeps on, that's getting the better lines. That he's just an absolute shit to, that he nearly kills, which is wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I liked that when he's kind of amongst his peers, he's actually not nearly as rough with them as he is with adults. Like, even that scene at the start in the hospital, you're slightly... Expe- I was slightly expecting him to kind of, like, kick off at her, but he doesn't, yeah. and he, he remains... He, he, you know, he remains on an even keel. And when he, when he's with his friends and whatnot, he is kind of joking about with them, but he's not lording it over them or anything. Um, yeah. And, I mean, I, 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 okay, he has that scene toward, uh, towards the end where he, he kills the dog and whatnot, but I, I, I enjoyed those interactions. And that's a part... I mean, that is actually a part of Hollywood that we don't see on screen that often, the interactions of, of, the, of the younger generation, like the pre-20s, you know, and, yeah. and that stuff actually did feel like, oh, okay, I'm actually, you know, I am, I am enjoying this. And I, 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 I mean, I even, the first half of the film, I'm actually okay with. Um, it, it's just... The, the last act, the third act does, does lose itself. I think the third act is terrible. I straight up, I think it's terrible. Um, but the, the, I mean, the, yeah, the first half is it, it, it. That is what makes me think I'm maybe even slightly more touching cloth than definitely shit on the film. But it's it's a very 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 tight thing. Very. <laughs> yeah. Um... It, I think it, it wins up a point for me because there is some great performances. Like you said, Julianne Moore is very good in it. Um, John Cusack's very fun in it. The kid um, who plays Benji is he, very yeah. good. Um, Robert Pattinson, for what is in it, is it, it, perfectly good. But he's... It does seem like a little bit like that's a fleshed-out character um, because uh, he's Cronenberg's new darling. Yeah, sure. It does feel a little bit, a little bit like that. Um, 
and like he'll end up in Cronenberg's next film um, and will probably end up completing his um, Robert Pattinson fucking in Cars trilogy. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah, quite. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not shit on it, but I can, I can definitely see why some people would be a little bit shitty about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm close. I'm gonna say touching cloth, but it's at the very low end of touching cloth. It, it could, could it be one of those ones where in a year's time you you rewatch it on on Netflix and go, do you know what? I was wrong. No, it's shit. I don't I don't ever see myself watching it again. I don't think I could sit through it again for another hour and fifty minutes. Yeah, I I, I definitely can see myself uh, rewatching it. Fair enough. It just I don't know. It, it, it didn't speak to me, but you know, I, d- I just I don't see why anyone who's watched at least a few films set in Hollywood would really get an awful lot out of this. But I think you're right. I think the performances do very, very much help. Very much mm. help. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, touching yeah, touching cloth because I am just uh, on it. <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. This, that yeah, alright, that'll do. Um shall we uh we'll move on to uh we'll move on, shall we? Yeah. Oh last thing though, really weird having Carrie Fisher playing Carrie Fisher in it and she's in like one scene. Yeah, I like I I did like that. I mean I will say I like the fact that they didn't like just go with like fake names of directors and producers and actors and stuff. I you know, yeah. I, I liked the Carrie Fisher stuff. I like the you know, the talking about Harvey Weinstein and things like that. I, I you know, I I I was good with that. I'm glad it wasn't set in a kind of a fake world and it does feel like it could be playing in the same world as as the player or something like that. Um but yeah, yeah it, it it does. I, I, there was a bit of a a bit of a nod, I think, in apparently in Julianne Moore's character where she mentions a, uh, a another actress's name that apparently Havana Sagrand was a little bit her mannerisms and everything were based around. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, um, I, I did read that somewhere. That could just be someone putting two and two together and getting fifty though. Yeah. So, but said actress has reputations. Mm-hmm. Um. Who? Uh, Nicole Kidman. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she does mention Nicole Kidman. I could totally see her being Nicole Kidman, actually. Yeah, I mean, because the whole the whole alternative therapy thing um, is ridiculous, and you can see it of you know of them not quite of them getting so involved and so indulgent in themselves that they can't understand the ridiculousness of what's going on. Mm. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. That's <laughs> actually. I did. Speaking of the alternative therapy, I did like that scene with Julianne Moore and John Cusack early on in the film, their first yeah. one together. That that you know that oh, therapy oh, yeah. scene where it's just like, what the fuck? What what are we talking about here? You know, it's just yeah. it's just trying to figure out what that was all about. And yeah, I, I got I, I I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was it was it was it was it was interesting. The, the whole um, Olivia Williams and John Cusack. Um, sort of plot twist I suppose was a little bit off bat and I was like uh, do you know what didn't need that didn't need another thing piling on this film yeah I also liked um, John Cusack's what was it the kid at some point says I am the something or other and then John Cusack says Cuckoo Cuckoo which I, I don't yeah. know 
I, I kind of almost thought like that was maybe a little John Cusack improv or something, but um, yeah, yeah it was, it was, yeah. moments <laughs> like <laughs> moments like that do make me think, yeah, all right, touching cloth. Yeah. Anyway, right, let's let's move on. Um, but yeah, it comes out in the US, I think, sometime next year. I kind of wouldn't be surprised if it's a straight to VOD kind of thing, to be honest, because I don't think it's going to get too much critical oomph to get it out there into the cinemas, and it kind of feels like with a film of this scale these days, unless you've really got that kind of love, then you're going to get a VOD run. Yeah. But, and it's John Cusack film, so... Yeah, yeah. Um, even though, you know, like, I don't think it's going to qualify for the Oscars, but, you know, Julianne Moore in Best Supporting Actress, sure. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I could see it. I think I think it'll be a step too far for the the Academy to look at that, though. Yeah, I, yeah, but I, I I would say she, she is that level in this. It is, it is very good. She's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I really, really wish it was standing around her instead of me about Sikowska, but hey, can't have everything. Um, okay, so let's have a clip from... I very much doubt there was even a trailer for Dominion, so let's go for a clip for... Well, let's have the trailer for Exorcist at the beginning... Uh, Rennie Harlan's film, and we shall get into it. Mother, what's wrong with me? What an excellent day for an exorcism. anything like it? It's a church. Churches were built to exalt heaven. But this, the weapons are pointing downward. This is the spot where Lucifer fell. There is something here, something evil. Who would do something like this? So it's time for the final part of Ian and Mark Suckcox in Hell. And we are going to be talking about the two Exorcist prequels, Exorcist The Beginning, directed by uh, Rennie Harlan, and Dominion prequels The Exorcist, uh, directed by Paul Schrader. Uh, for those who don't know the story behind this, uh, Paul Schrader was originally hired to direct um, uh, a uh, Exorcist prequel. Um, Stan Skarsgård was cast and the film was shot. And um, essentially, when Morgan Creek saw it, they just said we're not putting this film out, you're fired, fuck off. 
and uh, I believe they gave the exact same amount of money to Rennie Harlan. Um, oh. oh, was it more? Oh, yeah, it was thirty million to um, Schrader and fifty million Jeez. to Harlan. Okay, so they spent eighty million total. I wonder how much Exorcist the beginning made at the box office. I'm going to look this up now because I bet. Just shy of eighty million. What worldwide? Uh, just shy eighty million worldwide, but that apparently is um, taking into account the amount that Dominion made as well. Okay. A bit of studio fudging apparently went on there. Oh, okay. Nice bit of studio accounting. So $80 million worldwide for the two yeah. films, which both together cost $80 million. Yes. Good, good job, Morgan Creek. So, um, exactly. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, and basically, okay, so actually substantially amount more, uh, I was wrong there, um, was given to Rennie Harlan, um, and I don't know the circumstances, but Stanton Skarsgård stayed around. I wonder if there was maybe a contractual thing there. Um, I think what it essentially was is, we, you know, this was Stellan Skarsgård at a time where he was he was a bit more of a jobbing actor, yeah. and it was just a little bit of a well, they're just going to pay me more to essentially do the same thing. Yeah. So, fuck it, I'll take it. Yeah, that's, yeah, <laughs> no, fair enough. I mean, um, I mean, is there any other cast that are shared? Uh, there's a few, yeah. The uh, the Major, uh, he's uh, the same in both. Oh, um, that's right, yeah, no. The guy who plays... not in both, is he? No, he, he's not. Um, the guy, quite a lot of them, actually, as I say, the guy who plays uh, Jomo, um... The guy who owns the hotel, he's the same guy, but the kids, but the kids aren't the same one. Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, um, th- there are there are probably a- as many same as there are different, to be honest. It's a strange one, really. Yeah, I mean, okay, so I kind of want to talk about these together, really. Um, I would say it would it, be more interesting to talk together. Just a, a quick question, though. Which, uh, which did you watch first? Uh, I watched Exorcist the beginning first. Right, I, I watched that first as well, yeah. I, because uh, I just think that it, it, it's interesting to see which one goes, you know, because obviously one influences the other um, because they are incredibly similar. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a fascinating study of seeing two films that are kind of kind of the same but approached so differently. Um, yeah. So I mean, the, 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 the kind of the broad story shared between the two then is. Stellan Skarsgård's character, um, you know, Lancaster Marin, has had a traumatic incident in his past where in Poland, in the dying days of World War Two, Nazis essentially forced him to pick out ten people and, ha- and, and have them shot because one of their men was found dead. Um, and he, uh, that footage kind of looks like it was the same, even though I kind of think the guy who was playing the Nazi might have been it was different. He was. Same, it's, 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 a, it's, it's many of the same sets, but not all of the same sets. Yeah. The church, for instance, was rebuilt for the beginning. Yeah, the church is completely different. Like, complete, because the church in the beginning is way more obviously, like, satanic, essentially. <laughs> um, you know, the first one actually does kind of look like a church, whereas the second one, everything's pointing down, you know, it, it's all, it, yeah. It's bigger. Yeah, and it's a more expansive area, quite, yeah. Um, yeah. And then, so Merrin 
In Exorcist the Beginning, leaves the priesthood completely, and in Dominion, takes a sabbatical, even yeah. though it is pointed out to him that that sabbatical is ending very shortly, so he needs to go and do this, otherwise, you know, he's, he's out of the priesthood. And he has, but he hasn't quite decided in Dominion, so it's, it's a little bit, you know, there's a little bit more kind of shaded there. It's a little gray bit more gray. Yeah. Um, in Exorcist the Beginning, he is employed by some mysterious person to find an artifact um, that they believe is in this church that is being uncovered under the ground. And in Dominion, he's basically been ordered to go there. Well, he's found the church in Dominion. Oh, no, he has, hasn't he? You see, I'm just getting mixed up between the two In Dominion, he's found the church and he's been summoned back um, to Nairobi um, to essentially essentially pick up um, Father Francis. That's what, uh, yeah, and, and then Father Francis, yeah, the whole thing is, like, you take Father Francis with you, you make this an official church thing, or you're, or you're done. Or, 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 or he's going to go without you, and you won't be able to go into it. Yeah, so, okay, then, but then in Exorcist, the beginning, um, there's a priest who is just already there, like a missionary. Yeah. He, he, he's going at the same time, essentially, yeah. Uh, same priest, uh, played by a different actor. Yeah, same he's, priest, different actor. So that's Father it's Francis. James Darcy in Exist the Beginning, and is it, who is it? It's Gabriel Mann in um, Dominion. Yes. Okay, so they... Right, so the, the they, they arrive... And what the fuck happens then? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, from there, uh, in in both of them, they end up getting into uh, the, the the church. This is where kind of the story starts to split. This is where they diverge. There's more in, yeah. yeah, there's more in uh, the beginning because there's there's that patch of land that's just all crosses that's part of a village where all the people die. Uh, yeah, because the prequel uh, in the beginning is that kind of like that that kind of battle where they were all the men turned against each other. Yeah. And then it, the pre, uh, the kind of the, 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 the pre credits bit as such in Dominion is the, basically the full flashback of what happened in the past. Whereas in Exorcist yeah. the beginning, you just get those in snippets and like dream sequences and shit. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to take credit for this because it was, it was, um, Becky mentioned this, not myself. Uh, this is hers, not mine. And um, she said that of the films, Exorcist the beginning feels like an Exorcist prequel. Uh, and Dominion uh, prequel to The Exorcist feels like a Father Merrin origin story. And it, that kind of makes sense as the films are going along um, in terms of the fact that there's a lot more going on that is that involves Father Merrin in Exorcist The Beginning that is more focused around the Exorcist, um, you know, the, the demon aspect of it. And whereas Dominion, possibly because of, of budget constraints, there's a lot, it, it feels a lot closer film. Yeah, I mean, they, essentially, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's very good what Becky said there. Yeah, I mean, Exorcist the Beginning is basically Pazuzu and mm. Dominion is Father Merrin, essentially. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, so, I mean, in Exorcist the Beginning, the horror is you know, far more kind of blatant and, you know, you've got 
you've got scare scenes and you've got gore and stuff, whereas with Dominion, it's all basically internalised in that church, but then there are kind of, like, pressures out in the outside world that, like, the, the church is kind of exacerbating the effect of. Yeah, essentially putting fucking northern lights over everybody to make everyone bastards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas in Exorcist, the beginning, you've just got, like, Alan Ford getting rapey. And, yeah. um, which is insane. I forgot that Alan Ford was in this. Um, yes. I mean, Bricktop from Snatch is in an Exorcist film. That is fucked. Um, but yeah, you've, you've got him being rapey and you've got the, um, the little, uh, the little kid who, uh, oh, is he, is he evil, isn't he? And, um, even though one thing that I will say doesn't make much sense. By the end of the film, we are to assume that the nur- basically the nurse was like Pazuzu in disguise all along. Um, yeah. However, why is Joseph like? What, why is he in that well with his brother? And then why do all the like the, the hyenas come in? Because she's not there then. So what? What's that all about? Uh, an excuse to have hyenas ripping a child for people. Yeah, with really terrible CG, by the way. I mean, like, the, the, yeah, the, the CG is. in this and Dominion is bad. Dominion probably worse, actually, but yeah. it's still I mean, rough just, here. Really? I mean, it, it was like the guys who were doing the CG didn't believe that hyenas were real. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. They had no <laughs> frame of reference at all. Yeah. They were these <laughs> mythical <laughs> creatures that had no, like, track with physics at all. Yeah, you, you get the feeling that there, that there was a guy there going, guys, I, I've got a picture of an actual hyena on here, and they're going, what? Show up, Ted. And he's going, no, I've got a picture. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out, and I'm, I'm going to find a zoo, and I'm going to bring a hyena here so we can have a look at it before we submit those hyenas, those CGI hyenas that have gone fucking crazy, Ted. Hyenas are fucking real. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> it, it, it was literally like that, because they don't even... They, they move... Honestly, and people, this at points they move like literally. All they've done is they've stuck pictures of hyenas onto sticks, and then have just jumped them around and just digitally removed the sticks. Yeah, that's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's, yeah, that's right though. Um, <laughs> it is. It's terrible. <laughs> it's very good. Um, but yeah, so. I mean, I, I think what I would say between the two of them that, like, I I don't hate Exorcist the beginning. Me neither. I actually quite like it. I I won't go so far as to say I quite like it. And I actually had a better time with Dominion. Like, and we'll we'll get into it. But what I like about both of them is Stellan Skarsgård. I actually think puts in a really good shift in both films. And yeah. it feels like in the Exorcist at the beginning, it feels like he is so much classier than everybody else. Yeah. That it, yeah. it, it, it's it's well, I, it's brutal. I, I think he's very much in that in, in, in Dominion as well. I don't know. I'm a little bit. The thing is with Dominion, I don't think the other performances are quite as outre as they are with Exorcist at the beginning. Like the. The last 20 minutes or so at the beginning where it's revealed that Rachel was the possessed one all along and where it, it basically becomes an action sequence exorcism, which is yeah. mental. Um, <laughs> and I, 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 I just... The, the, her running at him 
while he's like trying to just get out the last bits of the exorcism and then the way that she just kind of like blows back the force of god flings her back it just nah <laughs> I, I you know I, I i no no um but, yeah, I mean, I, the thing is also, Exorcist at the beginning, it looks really good. I mean, apart from the it hyenas, nice. like, it's got production value. Yeah. The cinematography's great. And, you know. And it, 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 it whips a lot quite, it whips along quite well. It, it, it builds its story up quite well. Yes, I agree. Once you get to the actual exorcism, it does become a little bit, it, it, it delves into, um, a bit of stupidity, essentially. It, it becomes very generic. Um, it, it is. Um, it's it's shot by uh, Vittorio Storaria. Did he shoot um, both? He, he definitely did Dominion. He did, did. Yeah, he did shoot both. Yeah, and of course, this is the guy who did um, sort of the Last Emperor and um, Apocalypse Now, and you know, Bird with the Crystal Plumage and films like that. So he's got. You know, he, he's a very, very... He's got a very strong eye. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I mean, Dominion does look very good as well. Um, it just, I think... Exodus it's not been cleaned up as well. Sorry? It's, it's not had as much go into it in post, quite clearly. No, yeah, no, sure. Uh, but, I mean, I, I don't know. I also think that they... Um, I don't know what Rennie Harlan kind of does with the frame. It just it, it feels more expansive, and that that might be that might, that kind of might be due to the fact that you know Dominion takes place on in very like closed in kinds of places. Um, mm. And I mean, it, 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 I, I I don't know. It just I I I think Rennie Harlan has got more of an eye than Paul Schrader, and I I think both of them would probably agree with that. I don't think Paul Schrader would agree with that. Oh, well, Paul Schrader probably wouldn't agree with anyone saying anything. Paul, but the problem with Paul Schrader is, is Paul Schrader is so desperate to be considered to be an, an authoristic director like his peers that he was, you know, hanging about with in the seventies, like people like Coppola and De Palma and Scorsese. He so wants to be considered that is that he's actually convinced himself, I think, that he is. And let's be honest. He's a very, very talented writer. Yeah. Or yeah. he has produced some very, very good scripts. That's some fucking incredible scripts and stories. But as a director, uh, he's 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 pretty he's pretty shaky. Yeah, I mean, and to be fair, I mean, with Dominion, he was essentially a, a director for hire mm. as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, it it, it it doesn't yeah. So I, I don't know. I I. I yeah, I mean, I, I just, I enjoy Exorcist, the beginning for it, it, it's kind of, you know, kind of ridiculousness, and, and Stellan Skarsgård in the, in, in the centre of it, um, I mean, but I mean, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a good film, but I don't have, I don't have a terrible time, um, watching it, really. No, and, I've watched it three or four times, to be honest, Exorcist, the beginning. No, fair enough. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, why not? I mean, you know, I, I, it just, I, I, I don't see why anyone would super, super hate it. I mean, apart from the fact that it is a part of the Exorcist franchise, and this so doesn't feel like, it's like Exorcist 2 in that way. It just doesn't feel like it's part of that world at all. Whereas I think Dominion has 
a sense of that. Yeah, probably. It, it, it's attempting to, to, to ape a little bit more of the that kind of claustrophobic, closed kind of look of the Exorcist film, whereas Exorcist the Beginning's got a little bit more studio sheen to it. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, for sure. I mean, like you say, I mean, it might, it might be the fact that Dominion just hasn't had as much post, post-production work as well. But, um, mm. yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing with Dominion, though, I mean, it's it would be nice to say, oh, you know, this this like poor director had this stuff taken away from him and it's actually a misunderstood masterpiece or something like, you know, the director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven, which is a genuinely, I think, really impressive film. Um, this... It, Dominion is not a really impressive film. It's it, it's a good film, but it's not one that I, I it's not one that feels like it still stands shoulder to shoulder with The Exorcist or The Exorcist Three, even though it, it kind of feels more of a piece. Yeah, um, it, it, it's not a great lost masterpiece. No, no, quite. And I mean, I. I don't know, I mean, I'm glad Trader got it out there. And, I mean, I think the the kind of the, 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 the use of the British army in Dominion's a lot more interesting as well. I mean, the, the, the kind of the army general in Exodus, the beginning, is essentially there so that you can have a bit of a crazy kill sequence. With like the butterflies and whatnot, you know. Yeah. And, well, I mean, I mean, those the, the treatment of those two scenes is as good a comparison of the differences between the two films as anything. I mean, in in Trader's one, you've got him sitting on like a mountain top, like quietly speaking to Ralph Brown, and then just shooting himself in the head after you know committing a, a, a rather heinous act. Whereas in Exorcist the beginning, it's he basically hallucinates the butterflies he keeps uh, like flapping their wings and he shoots himself, you know, and it's it's all rather kind of more garish. Mm. Yeah, 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 I can definitely see that, certainly. Yeah, I mean, so I, 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 I don't know, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I, uh, frankly, I mean, I don't think either of them are nearly as bad as Exorcist 2 is. Oh God, no, 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 not at all. No, but neither neither of them are at the level of anywhere near the level of the Exodus or um, the Exodus Three. But they're both very, very watchable movies. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I mean, it would be easy to just come on and say like, "Oh, Exodus to be going what a type of shit," but it's not. It's not. <laughs> it just it, 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 it's it's not a great film by any means whatsoever. But it's really. Not already Harlan. What what the fuck? At the same time, it just it's it's quite watchable. And to be fair, if it didn't have Exorcist on it, I kind of think you know it, it like it would get a bit more, a slightly more attention than it does. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or it wouldn't have got quite the the, the kick. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah. That's a better way of phrasing it. Yeah, um, and. I mean, I also think that, that Dominion was kind of um, got a little bit of an easier ride than Exodus the beginning because of it, because of all the the trouble uh, with it because it was a um, because it was Trader and because it was the one that was uh, kind of tossed to a side and like that. I think when it actually came out, you kind of it became a little bit of a critical darling for some people to kind of go. 
oh well, yes, you know, the, this 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 is the real film. This is you know, this is so much better than that other piece of work. And it, there was a little bit of that kind of snippiness towards it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of it, I mean, it's easy to see why. I mean, it, it's it, it is garish and it, it is essentially as close to an action horror version of The Exorcist as you're ever going to get. And just saying that is mental. Um, But it has... It has its moments. It has style. It's got Stellan Skarsgård. And... uh, But I, I... even though, I mean, I will say as well, the Dominion, I think, treats the kind of the flashbacky stuff far better. I really like... The him kind of going back and doing it all again, and then basically Pazuzu saying, "Look, no matter what you do, it, it goes it, bad. It, it goes badly. So what's the point in even what's the point in even trying?" I I I, I quite like that idea. I think some of, I, I think the ideas in Dominion are actually interesting. I, I think, yeah, I, I think Dominion's a better story uh, and a better version of the. Um, Essentially, the prequel of the Exodus. It is. It's a. There's, a, there's more to it. It makes more sense. The fact that he's already at the dig, um, the fact that they don't go in through the roof, uh, the fact that they wait till the doors are done. There's a better story there. I think that it would have benefited from maybe um, that story being directed by Harlan and them not trying to make essentially a studio horror film. Yeah, Harlan's visuals and this story, and you might be, yeah, you might be onto a bit of a winner, actually. Yeah, it, it, would, have, it would have been a much a much better film, but it got Morgan creeped. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know. they, they, yeah, I mean they, they have got history with this franchise, and apparently James G. Robinson is a bit of a, and a bit too hands-on with with his stuff, and I mean, Christ, you don't even see Morgan Creek even financing that much uh, these days. No, but um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it just I, I mean, going, I mean, going through the films, it's just like you, you just do kind of generally consider the Exorcist to be, you know, the Exorcist, and the rest of them are just the rest of them, but. I think all of them, maybe apart from the Heretic, have some interesting stuff going on in them. I mean, well, Exorcist, uh, the Heretic has interesting stuff. It, yeah. it, it's just it's a terrible film. Whereas the, the rest of them, I think it, they do have things going for them. I mean, I mean, I would say Dominion is probably a three point out of five for uh, five out of five for me, and I think Exorcist: The Beginning is maybe a three. Um, I, I would I would put them both at three for me out of five. Yeah, so I mean they are around that level. Neither of them are masterpieces at all, but also neither of them are terrible, and they're both worth your time. Even though I do think Dominion is worth your time more throughout the course of the film, whereas Exorcist: The Beginning has specific elements that are good, mm. but that's just me. Yeah, I, 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 I think I probably at a touch prefer Exorcist the beginning to Dominion the, the prequel, but it, it's a touch. But like I said, before, I do think the story is better in in Dominion than it is in the Exorcist. But I think as an actual sitting down and watching it, I think I enjoyed watching the beginning uh, more than um, Dominion. But then again, there is a possibility that will be because um, when I was watching it, I was 
comparing uh, Dominion to The Exorcist at the beginning because that's the one I watched first. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, and just just quickly, just sort of going slightly off topic yeah, uh, sure. here, but but still within topic, but tangent slightly. Uh, the last thing, incidentally, um, that uh, Morgan Creek put out was the um, the remake slash prequel of uh, The Thing. But when you actually go back and you actually look at um, what you know, Marvin Creek have put out because on their Wikipedia page, there's actually really a, a list of Marvin Creek films, and it gives the budget um, where possible versus the uh, actual gross. And it, it, it's amazing how you know it, it, since really the mid '90s, the amount of money they've thrown at some films that haven't actually made anywhere near it back. Um, I mean, stuff like. Um, if you just go back to like the 2000, um, spending over 60 million on a remake of Get Carter that made just shy of 20 back, um, Angel Eyes, the Jennifer Lopez movie, over 50 million didn't even make 30. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you've got, you know, there's, there's a few that have actually made a little bit of money, but even like the thing costs like nearly 40 million and only made 30. Do you know what Morgan Creek's biggest hit is? Go on. Um, their biggest hit uh, is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, at nearly four hundred million off a fifty million budget. But that's closely followed by Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, nice. and its sequel, which cost a combined forty-two million over the two of them, and made just shy of three hundred fifty million uh, combined. <laughs> which is insane when you think about it. Um, they are actually doing the uh, upcoming um, two-pack uh, biopic. They also did uh, The Good Shepherd, the Rob De Niro-directed movie, which kind of um, doesn't get anywhere near the praise I think it deserved. And I actually made that film made money. The Good Shepherd made money, really? Budget of £90 million grossed just shy of £100 million. Yeah, no, fair play. I know, fucking hell. Well. I, I, I thought that film just tanked. Yeah, so did I. I, I, I I'll be honest, I, I'm a, a big fan of that film. Um, but I did think it, 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 it tanked, but yeah, yeah, close to 100 million. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, no, I thought that tanked as well. And no yeah. one ever talks about The Good Shepherd. No. Though, that's a film that's no. just been completely forgotten. Yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, yeah, just shy of 100 million. Yeah. Crazy. Oh well, Morgan Creek, purveyors of mostly shit. Um, Strange fucking films, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, really. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely not shit for the two of them, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, definitely not shit on, on, on either of them, no. Which I'm surprised about, actually. I thought I was, I, I've seen both once before, but I was really expecting to not not get into Exorcist at the beginning, and I, I, I don't think it's a great film, but perfectly serviceable horror. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, that, that is exactly the best way to describe it. It is perfectly serviceable horror for um, Exorcist in the beginning. Um, I think Dominion is one of those where it wants to say more, but doesn't quite manage to say it. And I mean, Exorcist in the beginning it also does have Pazuzu uh, inviting Stan Skarsgård to, or what is it, shove your juicy cock up her rotten ass. <laughs> or, or whatever it was, which was uh, quite an incredible line. Um, but yeah, 
Wow. Um, okay, so we're going to be, um, we haven't thought of a name for this yet, but um, we're going to be starting our Halloween marathon next week. Um, I just want to make sure that doing two a week, we're actually going to kind of get them done in time for the end of October. Um, yeah. No, we're not. Oh, Christ. Are we not? Are we not? Shit. 5th of October, 12th of October, 19th of October, 26th of October, Friday Friday the 31st. Do we need to do three in one week? Oh, fuck. (laughs) We need to do three in two of the weeks. Oh, right. (laughs) Right, okay. I think it would make sense to do four five and six in the same go because they're a bit of a self-contained story. Yeah. Because they're, um, it's uh, the little girl, Danielle Harris, in four yeah. and five, and then in six, her character's kind of in the start of it, at least. Yeah. Okay, so four, five, and six. Yeah, and actually, yeah, that week is the week that, yeah, Don's on holiday for a few days, and so am I, actually, so I'm going to have to do a week, week uh, a midweek recording that week, but we'll, we'll come to that. But what, week's that? What, week, what weekend's that? Uh, so the weekend of Friday the 10th, I'm away. Well, I'm away that weekend as well. You're away that weekend. I'm away that weekend okay, as well, yeah. Okay, but I am, sorry folks, but hey, um, but during I, the I am around, like, Don and Lottie are, are not in on Tuesday 7th, Wednesday the 8th and Thursday the 9th, so I could do a lot, like a way longer session any one of those nights. Uh, I could do that Wednesday evening. Okay, so Wednesday the 8th, we'll just do a longer show and we'll do four, five and six. So that yeah, basically means this week we need to do one, two and three. Yeah, I'm alright with that. Cool. And then 7 and an 8 for Sunday the 19th, and the Rob Zombie ones for Sunday the 26th. Yes! Fucking hell, right, oh, three Halloween films this week. Oh, I get to watch <laughs> Season of the Witch this week, though. Alright, I fucking love Season of the Witch. You know, that's, that's fine. That's that's gravy, actually. That'll do. All right, so there you go, folks. That's how it's going to run. Next week, you're going to get one, two, and three. So to be fair, I think for the month of October, we're probably not going to have any one old, one new. No, um, we might. What we might do is uh, instead of doing one old, one new, we'll do a quick, uh, a quick kind of catch up what we've been watching. Maybe, yeah. Instead of, instead of delving into stuff, we'll just give a quick kind of. Well, watch this, and this was good. This was good. And this was shit. Yeah, that that will do. Okay, so yeah. next week, folks, one, two, and three. Week after four, five, and six. The week after that, um, H2O and Resurrection. And the week after that, the Rob Zombie ones. Uh, yes. So, yeah, actually, um, I only watched all of them, all of them in the month of October, maybe like three years ago. So, um, but hey, fuck I, it. I watched them all last year. There you go. You were right to do them all again. Ah, I, I, I watched them all every October. Fair enough then. Cool. So, uh, yeah. Ah. Oh. October's nearly here, yes. Um, brilliant. Okay, so did we ask for Twitter questions? We didn't know. Uh, that, 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 that's my fault. I've been a bit tardy with... Oh, uh, well, I mean, fuck, I could have asked as well. With, with social media recently. Sod it. Let's just end the show then. Uh, well, very, very quickly. Yeah, actually, go on, I, go I, on. I will, um, I, I'll, I'll do, because I've actually watched quite a few things recently, so I'll, I'll do a quick little rundown of a few things that I've, that I've watched. So, yeah, yeah. That let's, let's do, just do a very quick what we've both been watching thing. Go on then. Yeah, um, so, um, 
I watched Odd Thomas uh, the other night uh, and really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I'd love that it'd be a, a sequel. Okay, nice. Um, I watched The Equalizer, watched that earlier today, um, and it's a really fun uh, Denzel Washington action movie. Um, I said to Ian off, off air earlier that it, the only way I think people could not like it is if they're not going to watch it to watch a Denzel Washington action movie because it's a Denzel Washington action movie and that's what it is and it's fun. Nice. Um, I watched uh, Edge of Tomorrow or Live, Die, Repeat or All You Need Is Kill or whatever they're going to call it. I still think they'll end up changing their mind at some point <laughs> during the movie probably. Um, and uh, I agree with what a lot of people say. It's really, really enjoyable. Don't think I enjoyed it as much as many people seem to have. Um, for a film which apparently was done, a lot of it is uh, practical effects and a lot of it was set. It is one of the most green screeny looking movies I've seen in a long time, with the exception of Sin City. Um, and oh, I watched um, the Inbetweeners uh, scene. Oh, yeah, uh, okay. Yeah, I think you're fucking mad. Um, okay. It's fucking horrible. Fair enough. <laughs> I that I, I very nearly um, didn't watch it all the way through because that opening bit where Jay's doing the continuous shot <laughs> bit, acting out the email, I, I was watching it going, "Fucking really, this is fucking horrid." Uh, him, and, uh, him, the, the, the Will getting chased down the water flume by his own shit, I thought was funny. The, 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 it kind of goes on a bit with the Adagio for strings, but the idea of not his own shit, um, the, the retarded the one old, shit. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I quite enjoyed that. Um, I laughed once. I, I had one moment where I actually laughed during it. And it's where they're walking onto the plane, um, and um, whichever one it is with the stupid hair, um, turns around to Will and says, "Your mum looks great when she cries." Um, and he sort of he, he says a sarcastic thank you, and then he goes, "I bet she looked fucking incredible when your dad <laughs> divorced her." <laughs> that was the only moment where I laughed. Nice. The rest of it, I sat there going. Fucking really. <laughs> and I, I, I went through a 12 pack of Brahma watching that movie. Fucking hell. Because that was the only thing that could get me through <laughs> it. And I, and I watched it on a Thursday. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's, that, that, that's, that's, that's it uh, for what I've watched sort of recently. What, what, what have you caught? Um, <laughs> that's funny. Um, so, okay, what did I watch? I watched uh, The Signal, uh, which uh, was the closing film at Fright Fest this year. Um, it, it had some interesting ideas in there. I thought the, the middle of the film really dragged out too long, but the climax was pretty interesting. And uh, William Eubank, who directed that film Love a few years back, um, oh, yeah. he's got, I think he's got a really strong eye, and I'd like to see what he'd do with a big budget, because visually he's he's got some good shit going. Yeah, he's, he's interested, isn't he? Yeah, too right, man. Um, what else have I been watching? I watched Brick Mansions, the uh, Paul Walker remake of oh, uh, yeah. District 13, which I, I, th- I thought was alright, actually. The Riz is pretty good in it as well. Um, it's it's not, it's no really massive great shakes, but it's, uh, 
It's fun. It weirdly, I don't remember District 13 doing this, but it essentially gives away the twist at the end, right at the start in the opening scene, where it's like got a shady mayor saying we've got to do something about brick mansions. Yeah. And then it's like, I, I mean, obviously, I, I mean, obviously, I want, I've seen District 13, but I was just like, right, okay, so we know what this is all about then, you know, with, mm. the, with the rocket, but hey. Um, uh, just, uh, oh, oh, quickly, um, because it kind of follows the thing. I also did, uh, I watched um, The Raid 2 again. Oh, yeah. Um, and I uh, liked it even more on a second watch. Fucking madness. Um, madness. Um, I will never watch The Raid 2 again. I don't see how I could watch that film again. Um, two and a half hours of my life, I, don't, I won't get back. And I liked it. It was just two and a half hours. And yes, that it, film it, does it, it, not it, it, need to be two and a half hours. It needs to be 90 fucking minutes. The pace of it, again, didn't bother me at all. It flew by. Dear God, man. Um, all right, fair <laughs> enough. Good for you. Um, uh, bum. I watched... Oh, I watched National Lampoon's Vacation. Um, uh, for the, vacation? Yeah. Are you... Ever, no, I've never seen it first time. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, good vacation holds up. Yeah, it's all right. I, I I enjoyed it more as it went along. Uh, I, I, I like by the time they got to Wally World, I was I was really quite digging it. Um, but yeah, I wasn't. I'm not nearly as as big on this as I am with Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation is fucking oh, yeah. fantastic. Christmas Vacation. Don't watch European Vacation. It has aged fucking horribly. Yeah, I'm morbidly intrigued about that, but we'll we'll see. That one's going to be one for a few beers. But um, yeah, Vacation. It was on TCM HD, and it was just like, go on then, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, that, that's what I've been watching since we last recorded. So uh, yeah. Um, Cool. All right. So uh, let's shut this down. So we'll be back next week. Uh, review next week's going to be Gone Girl, I'm assuming. Uh, it will certainly will be, yeah. Cool. So we'll be doing Gone Girl and the first three installments of the Halloween franchise. Um, fuck, my OCD's not going to let me watch any of them until Wednesday. So I've got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right, I've got five days to watch three Halloween films. That's doable. Oh, either, yeah. That's how I'm going to do it. Nice. Uh, okay, cool. So we'll, uh, yeah, nice. Um, alright, cool. So we'll get the fuck out of Dodge. Uh, dude the monkey at gmail.com. At Ian Loring, at Dude Foz, at Dude the monkey. Mark, anything to say? Uh, no, um, thank you very much for listening, guys. A uh, bit of a, a choppy, choppy about show, but, um, but, you know, it's a fucking show. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I imagine we'll be recording all in one shot next week, so. Then... Yes, we will indeed. Nice. There we go. And, uh, take it easy, folks. Bye bye. Cool. Bye.